Yeah, so Yorma stuck flipping copies. Yeah. <laughs> I am thoroughly... Well, Andy Samberg I, I am is thoroughly fed on derailing this episode now. <laughs> We're done. You can't, have, you can't have this episode back. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. And today we're going to be talking about chocolate milk. Is that what this episode is called? Chocolate milk. Okay, that's what this episode is called. I had forgotten. <laughs> before before we start talking about the episode, uh, once more we have shout outs. Thank you, Marshall Boone, for answering our questions again. Basically for being our Twitter friend. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you can get away from this fate now, but... Uh, <laughs> we're going to keep asking questions. We needed at least one more friend. <laughs> Carl and I are each other's only friends, apparently. Untrue. <laughs> yes, actually not true. I have many and varied friends. Carl is a goddamn social butterfly, you guys. No, I'm not. <laughs> let me lie I to our audience. I just go on Twitter sometimes. <laughs> let me lie to our audience, Carl. No, why would I let you do that? <laughs> because it's so much easier. They don't know us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't know us in real life. Yeah. Well, some of your actual real life friends do listen to the podcast. I can't prove that. Fair enough. None of my real life friends do. <laughs> because none of them watch this show, which is terabad. Ugh. That they don't watch this show. I'm going to stop now. You can keep ragging on your friends for as long as you want. <laughs> they don't but... listen to the podcast, so I guess I can keep going. No, we're going to quit while we're ahead. So yeah, thank you, Marshall Boone, for answering our questions on Twitter. And for just being cool. You're, you're so cool. Thank you. You go, guy. Yeah. Uh... Also, this week is New York Comic Con, so if any of you listeners are in New York or attending the show, you should come tell us in our ask box. I'm going to be attending all four days. Obviously, this comes out on Friday, so it'll have been two days in. But if you're available Saturday or Sunday, I'm going to be there, and I'm happy to do a meetup. We could take pictures, answer and ask together, whatever you want to do. I'll be represented by, like, a grumpy faith on a stick. I don't know. Arthur has to make the prop. I, I assume it will be unflattering. I was actually going to bring my FAO Schwartz teddy bear. I don't... Okay. All right, then. It has brown hair like yours. Okay. Cool. Totally. That sounds totally reasonable. So, yeah. Uh, if you're attending New York Comic Con, let us know in our asks. And uh, I'll be I'll be around. And I'll also be on our phone. So, yeah. So, chocolate milk. We are yep. actually not going to be doing a watch-along this time. We'll be making strategic use of watch-alongs when they're most necessary by the tactics. Strat tack. Tack strats. Slash, there were a top. We wanted to talk about this episode more than we wanted to react to it. Like, we, we felt that they were. This episode was just better served with us doing proper discussion. Yep. Yeah. Which I know you all care about deeply. So, we're going to dive into it. Uh, but first, Carl's going to bring us the summary. Oh, right. I do that. Because you haven't just watched the episode. Shit. <laughs> So every other time I've ever done this, I've watched the episode, like, up to 70 times. Okay, so in Chocolate Milk, Terry is gonna have a vasectomy, which a lot of people think they have a right to have an opinion about. Um, and Jake ends up continuously offering to drive him back to prove that they're friends. After the vasectomy gets them all wonked, walk, like, wonked up on pain pills. Is wonked a thing that happens when you're drugged? I used, I used toked out on Twitter. I don't know if you get toked out on pain pills. I feel like toking is a verb. Zonked out, maybe? Zonked is pretty good. Anyway, (laughs) in the midst of Terry's truth-talking delirium, he informs Jake that he doesn't want to have a vasectomy, 
and Jake begins trying to enforce drunk, drugged him's wishes. It has moderated success. Meanwhile, they're trying to solve a case where some dude got stabbed because of bad chocolate milk. It happens, I guess. Back in the actual precinct, Holt is being judged slash adjudicated by his old partner, Deputy Chief Wunch, which is not a good name. They have been on the outs for many years, ever since a misunderstanding about Holt thinking that Wunch gave him a career-killing review and Wunch being mad about Derek Jeter. Amy's around. She's trying to be a good teacher's pet. She actually gives Holt the, like, what for and earns a measure of his respect. She doesn't learn anything, though. It's really unfortunate. (laughs) I think she learns that she has it in her to do that. Yeah, that's true. I think that's important. And Boyle is trying to get a date, quotation marks. Huge, huge To his ex-wife and his ex-wife's new boyfriend's uh, wedding, for some reason, which is Jamaica-themed, which... It's It's their engagement party. No, it's their wedding. Isn't it? No, it's their engagement party. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so now you're absolutely right. It's his ex-wife's new fiance's basement apartment that Boyle lives in. Yeah, he's got to get. He's got to move out of there. Which Rose is going to help. Him Rose do. eventually tells him that she'll help him do, mm-hmm. so that she can stop going to fucking engagement parties with him, dressed like she's from Jamaica, or in Jamaica-inspired clothing. Jamaican, me marry you. I am angry. So we're gonna start with a couple of. Issues that Carl and I had with this episode. Shit be racially charged, yo. Yeah, I guess we're diving right into it. So there's a lot of things in this episode that, like, although overall I came away feeling pretty positive about it. Oh yeah, me too. But I also remember just, like, kind of feeling a little weirded out by Boyle being in having cornrows and... That's weird. I've been upset with that since promo pictures. Yeah. Because I knew that was going to be... I knew that wasn't going to be well worked out, and I was right. It was also, I don't know, I, I, I'm I, more annoyed by everyone, like you said, feeling like they had their right to comment on Terry's medical procedure. And specifically his penis. This, Yeah, there's a lot of fraught area here, like commenting on, I mean, commenting on any man's genitalia is sort of second, is beside the fact, but... There's no escaping the fact that Terry is an African-American man and a lot of cultural baggage lies around black that topic. Black men's physicality. And, and sexuality. And sexuality, yes. I, that's not the main thing going on in this episode. But this this harkens back to Unsolvable. Jake is really weird when he's on a case with with Terry. He always makes some kind of very strange racial comment. If you recall in Unsolvable, Jake says, the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. Which, A... What? Could be... It's from Hairspray. It's a line from the song, yeah. But it's not... It's from Hairspray? Well, it existed in the culture before that. But most people within our... (laughs) If you watch the autobiography of Malcolm X, like the oh. film, he it's quoted in there, oh. if I recall. But it's Th- that that line has a rich pedigree of which I knew nothing. <laughs> there's there's a lot of we're gonna try this again. I don't know. I feel like my complete lack of knowledge is kind of context. I feel like it's just text here. 
Oh, okay. I mean, the problem is, the other problem is, like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to speak too authorita- authoritatively about this because I'm, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is true, but, like, I could super be wrong and you should all tell me when I am. Yo. But because I, I, the first time I heard that phrase was in Hairspray. It's one of the characters. He goes, the dog of the berry, the sweet of the juice. It's the one who ends up with Amanda Bynes in the movie. The one. Amanda Bynes in that movie? Yes. I don't know anything about anything. So in the modern remake with Zac Efron. Zac Efron's in that movie? We're going to move on. Zac Efron's in two movies? That happens in a lot of movies, actually. Whoa. Uh, but anyway, we've heart, we've lingered on this topic too long. The point is, he says Jake says to Terry that particular phrase in Unsolvable, and then in this one, he's doing the riffing thing where he's like, uh, "Jeffords and Peralta." Something and something, and then chocolate and milk. And then he's like, "And you're the milk because you're full of protein," which not the worst save, but still gets weird. Yeah, like. It's just, it's the second time we've done this. I don't think the rest of the stuff that comes from him is so weird, but that combined with, like, this is an obsession that he's sharing with Gina, and Gina is not okay about this. Gina is, so in general, when Gina actively... Objectifies? Yes, thank you. When Gina actively objectifies Terry, I generally don't mind because it's kind of a nice reversal of the usual thing. I mean, I don't love it, but at least Gina is largely harmless about it. This case, it got a little weird. Yeah. Because she's actively looking at his... She's always actively looking at his areas. Yeah, but like... So actually, it makes more sense from Gina because she has a storied history with vasectomies and that her father got his vasectomy unreversed. Yeah. Also, Boyle has had his. Boyle has apparently had a vasectomy as well. Apparently, it didn't quite go correctly. Well, yeah. He was numb for a year? That doesn't yeah, seem right. Yeah, from, from trunk to skunk. And I'm surprised. I can't tell if Jake is confused by the language or just like, again, like, oh, it's gross and sexual. Jake doesn't know anything about vasectomies. He legit doesn't know what one is. And he cannot be told. He cannot be taught what a vasectomy is. Like, <laughs> I, I, we keep getting more credence to the, like, Jake has a learning d- disorder... Theory yeah. from Tumblr. So my friend Rachna, who is known as Falula Tonks, she has this amazing theory that I think actually is kind of played out by the show. I think this is an assumption they're going in with, which is that we're pretty sure Jake has a learning disability. Yeah, Too many pieces fit. He can't really do any kind of math, and he's only ever read 15 books in his entire life, and he can't be taught what a vasectomy is. Not to mention in one of the deleted scenes from season one, Holt tells him your handwriting looks like it's just a bunch of loops. Uh Uh-huh. Like his handwriting is terabad. That actually made it to air, but like the specific about your handwriting is just loops. And he put four M's in recommendation. And uh, there there was also the line that the judge said in Charges and Specs. Like he filled it out like... In Not in green pen, that was the other guy, but it was just very poorly done. And this was something that mattered. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not really here or there. Like, But I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just, I love the idea that Jake has this, like, long-standing, undiagnosed learning disability. Which he has powered through to a very significant extent. 
He's a mostly fully functioning human being. Yeah, he just can't keep a budget, and he can't really fill out his reports. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. And I, and frankly, you don't. I, now that we have computers, he probably hasn't had to write anything by hand in a long time. There's a line from Blackish in an episode you haven't seen yet. That's fine. Which is, you guys should watch Blackish. It's pretty good. It's so great. It reminds um, me of if the Cosby Show and basically if the Cosby Show was being done like now. Yeah, that's their goal. They're achieving it. The pilot had me in stitches. The father, uh, Andre, is trying to spell Triceratops, and he goes T-R-I-S, and his son corrects him, spell the C. He says, autocorrect, son. Spelling is for suckers. <laughs> it's true, though. I can't spell a lot of words anymore. <laughs> I don't know where we were. Oh, racial problems. Oh, God. Since we're Let's on Let's go Blackish. to Jamaica. That, oh, God, boil with the... Boyle shouldn't have cornrows. It was just a bad idea all around. And they took some steps to make it clear that it was bullshit. Yeah. But you've got to make that... You can't make that subtext. Yeah, like, I I was telling Carl earlier today that I didn't feel like the narrative condoned Boyle having cornrows. But I watched it again, and like... Gee, what is it? Ro- what is it? Rosa doubles down? Is that the thing yeah. you used? Yeah. She, she doubles down. Like, she plays along with this shit. She makes it, like, more okay. She's like, this has the cost of you getting your life together. I think she just makes it less not okay. Yeah. I don't think she makes it more okay. But she makes it, like, more okay in his mind. Because he's, like, no longer outcast. Like, directly before he sees her, uh, Hitchcock says, looking good, man. And Boyle says... That's got to be a bad sign. Yeah, and I thought that was mostly about Boyle's clothing choice. It's his whole demeanor. It's his, it's his whole everything. It's yeah. The, it's a, what was the, it's a rich tapestry. Yeah, it's a rich tapestry. Um, but I don't want to harp on this too long because we actually, there are a lot of things we did like in this episode. And so being this negative just feels really. Tacky? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go on. Let's be let's tacky. Let's do something else. Yeah, let's move on. So, since we were talking about Rosa and Boyle, um, I actually really love seeing their bromance continue to happen. Yeah, I think that um, I think that she's doing a good job of balancing his feelings, and he's doing his best not to like lay it on too thick. I don't think he ever once in his mind thought that this could possibly be a romantic thing. No, I don't think so at all. I think he clearly wanted it to just be them going as friends like yeah. just her her doing him a solid favor as a friend like his other option like his other semi-serious option was his neighbor who's a, a lesbian and b known by his fucking landlord who are the people whose party he's going to yeah yeah i also i mean and also he does ask gina he gives her that option yeah he says, you want to go just as friends? He he does a lot there to try and, like, sort of mitigate her reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I... I didn't work out, though. <laughs> oh, my God. But, like, I will say, though, in the first part of the episode, I still got really tense when I saw them interact and he asked her. We can't not. Like, we've been burned. We're always gonna worry. And that kind of... I I don't know what will ever fix that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's something I can live with, but, like, I just remember, like, being 
really, really like, oh, no, show, don't do it. And in fact... So the thing is that if both Boyle and Rosa separately settle into relationships, after a while that will dissipate. But, you know, not necessarily. And Rosa doesn't seem like she's a relationship type. Mm-hmm. I do, so... The episode did excite people who want Rosa to be bisexual. And, honestly, I'm one of them. Because, like... She doesn't ever assign a gender to her date. Yeah, and I'm on board too. I mean, Stephanie Beatrice herself has said that, in her opinion, Rosa doesn't let gender limit her. I think yeah. that's awesome, and I'm a, I'm game for that. I feel like this is the kind of show where if Stephanie Beatrice conceives of her character in that way, it'll happen eventually. But maybe not, you know. We'll see how that plays out. I think this is the kind of creative team that takes that into account. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah... Either way, though, I do I did like seeing the Rosa Boyle bromance kind of develop, mm-hmm. and and in large part because it provided character development for both of them. In fact, a lot of people got character development in this episode. I think that this is a season that I mean they did a lot of laying groundwork in the first season, mm-hmm. um, and they're really invested in moving their characters to a new place this season. I think this is the episode where they're kind of proving that everyone's going to change to some degree. Everyone's really different from where they started last season, and they're only going to change more. I think it was the AV Club that was talking, that basically said that, like, now that, now that it feels like the show has a solid grip on everyone's voices, like, things are going to really start shifting around and moving. Yeah, it's going to pick up a lot. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. That's my favorite part of any show, is when everything falls into lockstep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we can't talk about character development without talking about Amy in this episode, because she's, I feel like she gets the biggest jump here. Yeah, so, like, in the last episode of season one, Amy stood up to Holt for the first time ever. And then last episode, she was like, she visibly swore out of frustration in front of him and tried to confront him and, like, fell over on her face. But in this episode, she actually, like, gave him the business. Yeah, yeah. Frank, so Holt was acting pretty childish this episode, actually. Very childish. Um, and we'll get back to that. But Amy's response to him being like, him basically saying, you only care about this because you're obsessed with grades. She turned that around and was like, are you kidding me? No, you're the one doing this. You're the one fucking this up for yourself and everyone else. Yeah. Fucking do it right. I know a lot of people talked about how Amy spoke to Holt being the primary piece of her character development. I actually would go further and say what she says to Holt is as important. Specifically, she says, I need you as my captain. This precinct needs you as my as the captain. And I think that's a that's um that's a huge jump. This is a huge jump for an Amy who a year ago said he's gonna be my rabbi. Yeah, she was seeing Holt as a springboard. For like her she, career. Yeah, like, she want like Let's be real. I'm sure that Amy in episode one wanted to get the fuck out of the 9-9. I think if McGinley had stayed around, she would have. Well, yeah. Like, or she would have been stuck there. Like, she did not want to be with these people. And she did. She wanted to progress her career as fast as possible. I mean, we are talking about a precinct where Jake and Boyle were had been there for at least eight years. Yeah. Boyle at least eight years. Jake at, at eight years. Mm. Like, I could definitely have seen... Like, newly arrived Amy quickly realizing that this was kind of an end-of-the-line stop. Like, Jake hasn't... Jake and Boyle haven't gotten a promotion in eight years, and this is a... And this is a precinct that contains 
Scully and Hitchcock, which have, who haven't gotten a promotion in 25 years. Yeah, they're still like, detectives. This they're place great. is not somewhere you get promoted. Or recognized, really. somewhere you die. This is where you collect your pension at your 20 and leave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Amy, Amy's saying that Holt's presence is important for more than just her. That that's that's actually I think the bigger piece of character development that I don't see getting discussed a lot. So go frolic. <laughs> yeah, please talk about that more. I want to see that discussed more. Um, I want to swing back for a second. Uh, Gina and Boyle scene in that in the men's room. First of all, how he gets her in there is fucking hilarious. <laughs> that, like, He's such a fucking creeper. But like at the same time, that snuck a picture of himself onto her desktop. No, that was a message that came up. No, she minimized something. It was on her desktop. I thought the program came up and it had to be. No, she was minimizing something. And it was there. No, wait, sure. it, it was like flashing. Yeah, it was a, like a GIF on her desktop. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> Good job, effects department. I have no, no I mean, idea I know how, how you the did that. Effects department did it. <laughs> I don't know how Boyle in universe did it. That, that's what I'm saying. Shout out to the effects department. Y'all did a thing I don't even know how to do, and I'm actually kind of tech savvy. I work when for an it internet comes company. Top backgrounds. I'm an inter- I work for an internet company. I don't know how she did that. But <laughs> so she slaps him. Men's room now. How long was he waiting in there? That is not a precise <laughs> way of delivering a message. He, he was there for a while. He was, like, pacing. He could have sent her an email. <laughs> he he sh- has an internet phone. Do they think Savannah is going to spill the secret? I want that kid to come back. I know. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> but, okay, so he... he I, I have two questions. One, are they, are they, like, is it a regular thing? Oh, it's established as a regular thing. They are referring to it in the present tense. It is continuing. Like, Gina says, just because we're having secret, shameful sex, we're having, that is ongoing, that is definitive, the ship has sailed. No room for debate, I will fight anyone who tries. No, I'm into it. I'm seeing more Gina Boyle fic, too, which is pretty great. Which is pretty great. They know the time has come. I warned you. I warned you last season. Which was six months ago. You had plenty of time to form a writer's workshop. (laughs) No one did, but it's okay. Yeah, I know. My other question is, do you think we'll ever see alternate takes of that slap? Chelsea Brady tweeted that she kept having to do it, and there's one take where she legit feared for (laughs) Joel Trigley's life. Or maybe just his face. Whatever. I mean, he's I'm, an actor. His face is his life. Well, weren't we kind of stealthily promised that we'd see alternate takes of that? Yes. So this is um, this is our shout out to Marshall Boone proper, which is I half jokingly tweeted that he should leak all the alternate takes of that scene, and he replied, "I'll check with management." Set us up, Marshall Boone. Circling back to character development, I, I kind of, I thought it was really interesting, though, that their entire conversation that that Gina and Boyle have is Boyle, like I mentioned earlier, working really hard to sort of mitigate Gina's response and to be, like, kind of actively nice to her about this whole situation. He's like, look, I just want to go as friends. You don't have to, like, be my date date. It's, 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 t- it's to a party that nobody they work with or have in common will be there at. But she shoots him down by saying that they're not even friends. 
Yeah. And after that, I mean, yes, it's really gross, but uh, what, what are do you expect him not to come back with something like Bone Bros? Somebody's saying in the comments to the AV Club article, what, like, like that they were really upset that Gina assaulted Boyle there, like a physical assaulting. Yeah. It's a slap. And I... <laughs> one of those things where, like, on the one hand, I can't condone assault. On the other hand, that was such a gross thing to say. I don't know. It sounds like something that, like, would be said about some skeletons who are friends. <laughs> What's it to you, bone person? This show has a weird relation to skeletons. It's a very common word. Um, so, I'm a little disappointed in uh, Daily Nine Nine for circulating a skeleton meme instead of a bone person meme. Like, what show do you blog about even? Four Bros. Yeah, they're really good to us. Shout out to Daily Nine Nine. Um, do you like how I work that in? I love how you... I'm learning about this networking thing. Uh, One whatever at a time thing. Yeah. Let's talk about Holton Wunch. Okay. So, I I had predicted... Everything. Did I? Oh, yeah. I mean... Not Derek Jeter. I didn't predict That's Derek. a little too specific. But I, I had predicted that Holton Wunch's relationship would serve as a parallel to Jake and Amy's. Um, and that there would be romantic styles feelings on one person's part for the other. And that it wouldn't work out because, obviously, one person is not going to be attracted to the other person. I'm still not on board with the, like, Jake and Amy thing. But, like, death tension. Death tension. But you did call her being into him romantic styles. Or at least bedroom styles. I called parts of it. But some of the parts that I called... World, I, don't, I can't remember if I made that prediction before I saw the the behind the scenes pic of of Kira Sedgwick in lingerie. I think I had called it before. You called it from the stapler. I did call it from the stapler. Yeah, I did call. I think I called it from the minute we found out that she would be that Kira Sedgwick was getting brought on as an adversary who had history with Holt, which was well before we even had press releases. Fair. I. Sidebar, I've been watching The Closer. Fucking great show. If you have Amazon Prime, watch it immediately. It's all streaming there. It's so good. The show is so good. And Kira Sedgwick is so good. I can't stop watching it. It's so good. So what I'm saying is, it's so good. And sidebar. So Holton Munch's adversarial relationship, this was really fun. We seldom get to see Holt have his feathers ruffled. Well, this, what I thought about this is that this brought Holt right back to the, like, hotshot immature detective. Like, this is what happens when people from your, like, deep past come back where you have unresolved shit. You become that person. It's called Revertigo. One of the few things How I Met Your Mother gave us that was good. Oh, that's why I don't know anything about it. Always with these TV's things coming up. It's like I've watched a lot of TV or something. And yet you haven't even talked about Friends yet. <laughs> so who is whom? Okay, we know that... I cannot help. I don't watch friends. (laughs) You go do your thing. I'll be elsewhere. There's a a post on Tumblr that I kind of agree with. I think Terry is Ross, hence why he gets all mad when Jake doesn't know Ross's name. Gina is obviously Phoebe because they're both eclectic. Amy is clearly Monica. Jake is never Monica. (laughs) Ross is a bougie pedant, right? Yeah. 
There you go. That's why Terry is Ross because they share interests. See, Ross I enjoys know one thing. Good job. Ross enjoys going to see uh, Ukrainian art films at the Angelica Theater in Soho. Those are all words that Terry would like. Terry would tear Ross apart on films. Yeah, I think Joey was like cute but dumb, and Chandler is smart and sarcastic, but like also like emotionally closed off. Respectively, the Tumblr post proposes that respectively Charles is Joey and Jake is Chandler. I don't know if I'm convinced. I could dig it. I don't know if I'm convinced. And Rachel would be... Don't mind me. Rachel. You do your friend's thing. (laughs) Rachel. Who would be Rachel? What's the Rachel? Rachel is like kind of like... The most well-adjusted... I guess Rachel would be Rosa. Doesn't really work, though. Rachel's more talkative. Reactive. But then again, Rosa sees herself as a very sweet person. Y'all, tell us which ones are Joey, Rachel, and Chandler. Hit us up in our ass box. I'm excited to see what other people think. I'll reblog the post that I saw as well. Maybe Rachel is Scully. No. Rachel is never Hitchcock or Scully. I don't know shit about friends. I also... Hitchcock and Scully are the ugly naked guy. There's an ugly naked guy? There's an ugly naked guy. Why are men body so vilified? Hashtag MRA. He never appears on the screen. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> he's just... He's there... Like, you know how my apartment, we have that, like, window over there? Yeah, and, like, a window. I can, and I can see... She's pointing at a window. <laughs> I can nominally see into some of my neighbor's apartments. Pointing like, not, sound effect. <laughs> not well, but, like, you can see my neighbor's windows over there. Yeah, okay. So they they live in a building, and across the alley or the space between buildings, they can see into another building. Mm-hmm. Back to Holton Wunsch. Holt has this serious case of revertigo where he becomes his, like, the version of himself that he fully changed. <laughs> he changed everything about his life. Yeah. Is, is the phrase you're looking for. Yeah. Do you, she was not... He, he had come out before he came out to her, right? No. That was it? 1989 is, like, 1989 is when he came out. Oh, shit! 1989 is 25 years ago! Yes. I'm so bad at math, you guys! Also, he says he's been out since 1989. Like, he says that explicitly. In the, I mean... To Podolsky, I think. No, he says, I've been an openly gay cops for 25 years. Right? Either way, here's why I'm a moron. My 25th birthday was three weeks ago. I'm born in 89. I should be able to add 25 to 1989 and get this year. Also, we're both wrong. That pilot was in 2013, so it's 1988. No, it's... Look, it's 1989 because, A, you would round that shit up. B, it's not... After, he's not out to the NYPD before he's out to, to his, one. Okay, fair enough. This is, like, like plot-wise, he comes out to her because he knows he's about to come out to the entire police force, and he wants to come out to her first. Which is why when he feels like she destroys his career because of it, he feels so betrayed by her and doesn't talk to her for 25 years. Because she's his partner, and that's a really important relationship, which yeah. we've talked about on the podcast. But actually, it was all Derek Jeter's fault. Yeah. The Yankees. Also, she tried to get him scrubbed from the service while he was undercover because of there was a mole. Like, so much about these, their relationship is just questions that I want answered. 
are they going to get Derek Jeter on the show? That probably won't happen. But he doesn't have anything else to do. Oh He's got time. Oh my God, Carl. What? They would have filmed this well before he had time. So they'll film it later. He doesn't have anything else to do. He's going to be really bored at like 15 weeks, days, seconds. I don't know. He's probably bored now. Sitting on his like jacuzzi made of solid gold dollar bills. I have very poor confession of the rich. I think that's enough about the B, C, and various side plots. Um, let's uh, let's talk about Jake. Okay. I have said before that one of my favorite things to watch on the show is Jake being a good friend to other people. And I tweeted this from back in the field last night, I guess Sunday night, that while I love watching Jake be a good friend to other people, and a lot of his expressions and reactions in this episode really felt similar to the ones he had in Full Boil and Fancy Breadgum. The saving grace, I think the other the other thing I realized while watching this episode is that I also really like it when other people are good friends to Jake. Because, I mean, we, we expect it from Charles. But from the others, it's it's more surprising and thus a little more heartwarming. There is a kind of a no-look-high five with Rosa. Which is so cool. But I think this episode is characterized by Terry being a pretty bad friend to Jake. Like, the... So... Well, he discounts their friendship. And, you know, I can forgive Jake a lot because that's got to hit him really hard. Yeah. Because the division that Terry draws is between friend friends and work friends. And if that division is real, Jake doesn't have any friends. Well, he doesn't have any friends outside the precinct. He has never talked about one person he likes outside the precinct. We've talked about before that Jake has no work-life balance. Work is his life. Yeah. So, like, if he allows this division to come into existence, then he has to face the fact that he has literal zero real social life. For me, it was just really upsetting because they've been working together, like, nine years now. Eight, nine years. Yeah. Like... At that point, yeah, you kind of are real friends. But there's, but there is like that's not totally untrue. There's a really stark division between the time that Terry spends, like Terry has an actual work life balance. You know that he has a like full circle of friends from like all the activities that his daughters go to and the friends he had before. Like he has an entire separate life. That no one in the workforce has any access to, like, which is just he has a he has a kind he can make that division in his mind. Jake can't. Like, Jake has done a lot of things for him and with him, but it's still you know different. Yeah, I I was just thinking about how in the Vulture, Terry says to Jake, "I love you like you're one of my daughters." <laughs> And how that stands in stark contrast to... To this. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that, like, he, that's because he has a strong, protective, nurturing instinct towards Jake. Which is a weird thing. That is very much kind of paternalistic. Which is a weird thing to have for a friend. Yeah. Now, I... Terry does say that they are friends by the end of this episode. I think that's true. Jake goes above and beyond and kind of, you know, earns it. But that doesn't mean that Terry was wrong at the beginning of the episode. Well, Jake goes above and beyond within the confines of what Terry is, like... Allowing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I don't know. I'm I'm always charmed when when Jake is being a good friend because we have we have so often been shown Jake being a bad friend. Obviously, that has changed after Boyle got engaged and Jake got his life right. But yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that Terry tells him that at the end. Terry is <laughs> cracked out on medicine. <laughs> He's Terry so, is so good in this episode. He's so funny. He's so funny. He manhandles Jake at one point. Like, <laughs> he manhandles just like, Jake at every point. But but specifically, I mean, Terry's always manhandling Jake. Like picking him up and like chest bumping him. and. But mostly that's because like... <laughs> But with, mostly that's with like enthusiastic consent. Yeah, this case, Jake, his face when Terry's like, "Your tiny head, look at your small head. Where does your brain go?" <laughs> I was giggling. I was giggling. Oh, so Life. great. Oh. And like, <clears throat> and like, just, just Ter- like. They gave Terry Crews carte blanche to make the funniest faces he possibly could. And and it it paid off in spades. Well, what really, really kills it is also Andy Samberg just being like, I'm just going to tolerate this. Like, Andy Samberg has to be the straight man suddenly. <laughs> Which is nice, because it's usually not that way. But like... Actually, with The Lonely Island, it usually is that way. Or often. For example, The Boo. He was a straight man throughout The Boo. Tell me you know the boo. Shit, do you not know the boo? Get your life right. Do you do you actually not? You don't know about Frazzles the Squirrel? You got some homework, Arthur. You got some homework, Arthur D. They did, it was like their first big thing. They did a like parody of the OC that div- dissolved into like nonsense. It has Elliot from Scrubs. Oh, that pair. Oh. But they replaced her with like a sock puppet. And there's a cartoon squirrel with, like, 3D glasses. How do you not know about this? Okay, guys. Episode over. Arthur has to go watch a lot of the boo. It's been great having you. We'll talk about all of Terry's life at some later point. Shut up, Carl. No, we have to finish this episode. So, Terry is... the That that scene where he manhandles Jake is my favorite... Is my favorite... That is my second favorite thing in this episode. My first favorite thing is, so he's like our grand captain. That is remarkably funny. <laughs> that, that line just kills me. We can't put aside the possibility that the that Brooklyn Nine-Nine is actually, like, a portal fantasy in which the primary world-building conceit is that different things are funny. <laughs> like, maybe all the hilarious antics that happen around the precinct just wouldn't be that funny to people in-world, but all the shit Holt says is hilarious. You're not into this. I'm I'm mulling it over. I I'm trying to. I the problem is we've we've seen. If it's true, I think what it really is is they they exist at a soft point where the two where our universe and this parallel universe you're discussing discussing touch and overlap slightly. Oh yeah, they're merged by cameras. Yes. Exactly. I work in sci-fi. I was gonna say Carl Carl's primary. Life stuff. Life sandbox? What? No. No! Life stuff. Genre. Carl works in sci-fi. Yes, I work in sci-fi fantasy. More in fantasy. Yeah. And I work for internet. 
So it is particularly egregious that I've not seen this Lonely Island video. How have you not seen the boo? I... There's ninjas and shit. I honestly... Yorma's a ninja. I've seen Football Town. Wait, Akiva? Which one's not got glasses? Yorma. Problem is they all wear glasses. I'm not kidding. Go watch Ask a Grown Man. Which one's got round face? (laughs) You're welcome to Lonely Island. (laughs) Carl only knows one of you by face. I would remember on some other day. Yorma has floppy hair, and Akiva has usually has a beard. This is the past. None of them had beard. Which one directs? Akiva directs. Did you watch the Hugs video? D- it less than everything else they've ever done. No, but like... Which one got left behind in the boat? On a boat? <laughs> Yorma. Yorma. Yeah, because yes. he says... Yorma is says... the main character of the boo. Because <laughs> he says in the, at the beginning of... Oh, boat ride for three... I'll take Akiva and T-Pain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm just going to make some last comments. Uh, that milk bar that they go to, Dirk Milk, Dark Milk, is so Brooklyn. Down and, and what really got me is wherever it is that they meet, what's his face? The, the really gross Pilates guy. By the way, I'm really glad that fandom reminded me. That Jake's face when the guy's like, we ogle the girls in the Pilates studio. No, it's great because, and this is like something Chelsea Peretti would write. Jake then says, I guess that's better than stabbing someone, but he's not sure. (laughs) His, like, he's clearly disgusted, though. Yeah. Yeah. That is, like, unequivocally evil. It's so gross. Yeah. I've definitely... So I live down the street from Equinox, which is Fancy Gym. And I hate Equinox. The point of the story is there is a row of treadmills on the windows that face my street. And one day when I was going to the gym, I saw this guy smoking and creepily watching. And it... This is the weird... Creep... Like, all... And obviously... Well, Equinox made him do it. I fucking hate Equinox's ad campaign. This was pri- pre-gross ad campaign. There's a pre-gross ad campaign? No, this is prior to the existence of that gross ad campaign. Wow. Of, of both gross ad campaigns, including the sex one. <laughs> Guys, all the sex one. Oh, Equinox. Anyway, point is, I remember looking at him while he was watching all these women running on the treadmill that he had this like horror, horror, like terrifying vantage point to. I remember looking up and being like, oh, hell no. And I went into the Equinox and was like, there's a guy on the street watching. You need to shut the blinds on street so that he, he that like, you need to protect your clientele. It was the Then o- they did an ad campaign. Don't go to Equinox. Anti-sponsor. <laughs> Let's finish by talking about how a lot of this episode felt like a throwback. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I was telling Carl, um, that rapid fire op- cold open where Amy's like firing blanks and... That's a very common um, technique that they use to uh, build up group energy. Yeah. Specifically to me, it reminded me of the series of jokes from the beginning of Tactical Village. Uh, will your first dance be to You Give Me Fever? <laughs> And ending with, do you have herpes? <laughs> oh, Gina. She needs the intel. I mean, really, Gina did need the intel. Yeah. I think but I she, went over that at the time. But she didn't know that at the time. Um, 
Amy working with Holt reminded me of the slump and with the oil painting and the like digging up what five or eight years of statistics about like Captain Precinct performance month to month. And then um, we talked, we touched on this a little bit, but the parallels to the Ebony Falcon, like it's kind of, it's kind of in the sense of like it's Jake and Terry being teamed up. It's kind of the reverse Ebony Falcon. Where it's like much more like unsolvable. Let's discuss this. The Ebony Falcon is about Jake and Charles basically fighting to figure out how to reintroduce Terry to active duty. It's the conclusion of an arc. Unsolvable is contrasting Jake and Terry and their methods of handling a case in progress and their methods of sussing out what's going on with the other person. Like, th- that's, that is the emotional tension running through these episodes. Whereas in Ebony Falcon, it's about, like, Jake overreacting to some cop business rather than personal business. Alright, your argument's too eloquent. I can't. <laughs> Carl wins. And so do you guys, because that's all we had. <laughs> Seriously, though, uh, send us Seriously, a- though, watch the boo. It's... It's a, it's a wild ride. That's like 100% what Carl and I are immediately doing once this recording is over. No, dude. It's like 10 episodes. Oh my god. It's a mini-series. Yes. This is why I haven't watched it. Because I, I just don't have that kind of energy anymore. I say having just admitted that I'm actively marathoning The Closer. Oh my god. From all of us to all of you. Wait, no. I don't want to. Wherever you are. Wait, no. Shh. Watching the boo. Stop it. <laughs> so... Uh, so, yeah, uh, if we didn't cover something in this episode that you wanted us to talk about, send us an ask. Uh, Carl or I or something, we'll do something. We'll, we're magic. We'll figure it out. And um, thank you all so much for listening, including apparently everyone on set last Friday. I don't know how to deal with that. I've got a lot of feelings that I can't articulate well. we got to get wallow in those feelings. So from all of the two of us to all of the most of you... This has been Back in the Field, episode whatever. <laughs> 23. 23. This has been Back in the Field, season 2, episode 2, Chocolate Milk. My name is Arthi. I'm Carl. And we will see you next week. Bye, everyone.